Welcome to episode 23 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to rank the TV's best makers. Let's continue the conversation. Hi everyone, welcome back to MADE. With me as always is... Claudia Bergen. Hello. I have Ray Peña. How you doing? And I am Jose Valcarcel. All right, guys. Um, so we are off two weeks of being at Maker Fairs. So this is sort of our first episode back without having to talk about a Maker Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Although we just snuck it in. What do you mean? Oh. You just snuck it in right now. <laughs> we did, actually. You're right. I did just mention <laughs> it again. <laughs> it's, it's okay. We're part of the movement. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Um, so I think for this episode, we figured we'd have a little fun, and everybody love, loves a ranking. Right? Yeah, of course, who does Everybody loves a ranking. I think the only thing people like more than a ranking is a bracket. So A bracket. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people. <laughs> yeah, some people. Yeah. People love them a bracket, um, but we're not going to do a bracket because that doesn't really fit in here. But uh, I think this is an interesting topic that we're going to cover, and you know, everybody has seen a TV show about making or, or home building or you know, do it yourself or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we're going to get these people together and we're going to figure out who we think is the best. Yeah, and now yeah. our list is a little bit uh, wide-ranging, isn't it? Yeah, it that's is. what I was yeah, going to say. Spoiler alert! Yeah. <laughs> we're very wide-ranging. Yeah. Well, and I think the funny thing is when we were first talking about this, we sort of, I think, Ray, you, you mentioned, well, I think this particular person or show is going to win. And I was like, well, is it? Or is this the one? Like, and I think what we're going to end up with at this, at the end of the day in this list is going to be different than what we came in thinking it would be. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah and one of those things is, um, for me is for, for women who mm-hmm. are in this and, you know, in the making movement is to consider how many women there are actually doing this. And that may be something that needs to be improved mm-hmm. and actual TVs, you know, TV shows that were more represented. Yeah, and you know, as I was putting this list together, it also got me thinking as to what I consider making and what I don't. And I think maybe that's yeah, a, that's, that's a discussion one. we need to have as well at some yeah. point. Mm-hmm. And so, obviously, we, we left a few things out because we only have so much time. Right. Yeah, we only have so much yeah. time. And, uh, and we, we, you know, we can't cover everybody, so we've certainly missed people. Yeah, so we covered like 15. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So if we miss somebody, please, I think we're going to say this throughout the show, if we miss somebody, please email us and let us know what about this person, and maybe we'll revisit this later. Great. So, yeah, so let's just get right to it. We're going to skip news, because I think we're, we have a lot of people to get through, and this might, take, this might be a long show. So if it's a long show, bear with us, and hopefully you enjoy it. All right, so let's talk about about our main topic today, which we are gonna rank. Um, I initially put this as the TV's best makers, um, but I guess we're we're I mean, we're not really including our online people, are we? I think there's one or two. Yeah. Uh, online, probably one of the, the some of the best known ones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, and obviously we don't know everybody out there with a TV show. I think we we've tried to cover people that we knew from the past and some current shows, but it's obviously not an all-inclusive list. No. Um, 
let's uh, briefly, before we get started, I guess, talk a little bit about how we're going to rank this. How, how do you guys figure we rank this, this, uh, this shows and people? Um, I think that they, it could go either way. It could be, you know, longevity, entertainment value. Uh, there's so, and of course, range of projects. If, uh, if you only do one thing in every show, uh, I don't think that makes you <laughs> such a, um, a prolific maker. But if you, you've got, if you're covering a whole bunch of different topics, different, um, techniques, different, uh, mediums, puts you in a different range. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think another part of it, I think the entertainment value, I think, because it's an entertainment media, sort of, it's, it's heavily it's heavily weighed on here because some of these guys may be better makers than others, but you know if they're entertaining as they're doing it, it sort of carries a little bit more weight for certain people, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, what do you think, Claudia? So one of the factors that I think would be relevancy would be really important to me, mm. like how relevant their their craft or whatever type of specific tool or, or, or way of doing um, of making mm-hmm. ends up being relatable to others mm-hmm. um, and then also how relevant it is to others I think that's an important thing to, to consider uh, and others being like the general population so it's not mm-hmm. specific to one particular group but to the wider masses. Yeah, like mass appeal almost, and, and mm. even helping a, a broader range. Because I see what you're saying. Some some people are not going to sit there and be painters or do or do the crafts that you know maybe a Martha Stewart does, but they need to know how to fix their house or they need to know how to maintain their house or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, I see what you're saying. That makes sense. Okay. So that's why, like in the shows, it's you know, like are they the topics that they're they're including are they relevant to others mm-hmm. yeah and i think you know it's one of those things because their shows they have a target market and a target um group of people so it's it's one of those <laughs> one of those things if you're watching the show then you're and you enjoy it then you're already part of that target market so it would it would be relevant to you um but getting you know uh and i you mentioned martha stewart for example you know I wouldn't watch her, so I would not be part of her target market, so she wouldn't have any appeal to me, but but uh, somebody else might. And so I, I think it's one of those weird things. If you're watching the show and you enjoy it, you're already part of that target market. It's hard to be, you know, relevant to everybody, I guess. Yeah, and I think that's that's sort of like the ranking is helpful yeah, right? as you... far as like their success, right? Because right. how successful are you if you're only targeting your, your audience to one particular group, mm-hmm. you know, that group isn't going to grow. And right. the whole purpose of you being on TV is for you to be able to 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 uh, to, ex- to extend your knowledge to the mass, to the masses. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think I see what you're saying in that it's, you know, a, and I would bring up, like, let's talk about some, we're going to talk about somebody else that, you know, maybe builds motorcycles. That's not helpful to everybody it's only helpful mm-hmm. to people that have motorcycles but everybody has to have a home of some kind or you know to a certain degree you would you could argue that martha stewart's more relevant to a larger group of people than somebody that does 
just motorcycles. And yeah, they're not mm -hmm. going to change their show and start doing crafts just because they want to appeal to more people. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's just sort of part of their show is that they're not as they're not as appealing to everybody. Yeah. And I guess, you know, personality plays into that as well. Because even though it, it may or may not be relevant to a group of people, but the personality of the host does appeal to a lot of people. So they might sit through something they may, they wouldn't otherwise enjoy. Right. Yeah. I think it all makes sense. Um, so I guess with that in mind, you know, we're all going to rank him differently. We'll try and figure out, try to come to a consensus as to where we put him on the list. Mm -hmm. But... Uh, It'll be interesting how this goes, because we might have disagreements, I guess, but we'll, we'll try and place him somewhere on the list and try and agree yeah. on it. And then um, we're going to rank, I said, let's just say the top 10. We've got about 20-some people on this list, 20-some people and our shows on this list. Yeah. Um, and we'll go, we'll go one at a time, someone will speak briefly, someone will talk more about him. We'll rank him, and we'll figure out at the end, I guess, what we come up with. As we said, we don't know everybody. This is not an inclusive list. If you disagree with us, you're probably right. Yeah. You know, we're we're not trying to make this a no. I'm right. You go take your opinion somewhere else. I would love. <laughs> yeah, to... it's not a competition. Right. Yeah. yeah. I would love to hear other people's opinions though as we go through this. If you have an opinion, shoot us an email or comment somewhere. Um, or maybe even some of their favorites. Yeah. Even yeah. Even your own personal rankings. I'd love to see some of those. So. Yeah. You know, maybe that's a thing. If you wanted to rank your top five, send us your top five. All right, so let's just get right into it then. Um, we'll start with, we'll just go randomly, and we're going to select them off this list randomly. And the first one's going to be a woman. The first one's a woman. So it's Lara Spencer, and she's the host of Flea Market Flip, to that current show. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about Lara Spencer, Claudia? Yeah, uh, well, she's a host also, I think, in Good Morning America, I'm not sure. She's in the CBS. CBS. Uh, Good Morning America, America, yeah. But um, it, it's really cool because, like, uh, in the flea market flip, she really focuses on um, featuring the, the makers and the crafters and the upcyclers. And so it's it's this race, right, of between two, two teams of who can upcycle furniture the best. And uh, and it's based out of how much like they're given a specific amount of money and yeah they have to buy with budget it properly yeah. and then sell it and see if their their um their furniture sells like their upcycled furniture sells. But what's really cool about her though is that because she's been doing this and we've been watching her for a long time, um, you can see because she's been doing this for a while, you can see that she's she gives them tips mm -hmm. throughout that she actually critiques the the work as they're as they're doing as the teams are are. are yeah. Are, are doing their work. Yeah, she's become very very knowledgeable about the upcycling part of yeah, it. Yeah, and also about the marketing part of it, right. you know, and, you know, like, whether it will sell or not. So I think that's an important part. part. Now, there's a team of, um, they have a team of, uh, like, a workshop, right, mm -hmm. of makers and builders okay. and furniture builders. Yeah, like experts on it. Experts on it. Yeah. And that's great, too, because you get to see them in the mm -hmm. show a little bit and sort of, like, how they would um, help the two teams of designers uh, create their work and also like tell them well that won't work no. <laughs> like you mm -hmm. may not be able to do that yeah do it this way instead. do it this way instead yeah. so I think that's really cool so you almost feel like you can do this this upcycling on your own mm -hmm. or you could try it at least but uh, the show itself has like experts inclu inclusive of yeah. 
of um, Lara that mm-hmm. are valuable and like, you almost need them. <laughs> yeah, and the show itself doesn't like necessarily show a lot of her work that she does, but I think you can go to the website and see her projects on the side. Oh, cool. Because they don't, they don't actually show that it's focused more on the competition part of it and the two teams that are competing against each other. Mm-hmm. But she does do some of the work. She doesn't do it on the show. So, oh, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't know that she did her own. Yeah, she her does own her own. Thing. After every, like, after the episodes on the commercials, I know we, we sometimes speed through them when they say commercials, but mm-hmm. I've noticed that they say you can see her projects on the website. Oh, that's really cool. Well, she doesn't mm-hmm. usually talk about it in the morning or anything. Yeah. It's more like an interview thing. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I find that show interesting. Uh, My wife likes to watch, and I've seen, uh, you know, every once in a while I come in half halfway through the show. What I enjoy is that uh, the people that are participating, um, as you guys mentioned, may not be knowledgeable in different aspects to include like metalworking, but they have the ambition of including metalwork in their project. And in that event, uh, in that case, they bring in people who are more knowledgeable. And so I, I think that that aspect of, of cross-linking all these different um, uh, uh, media experts, for example, metal or wood or, or, or et cetera, even painting, that uh, they help uh, these individuals who are participating increase their knowledge base and possibly take that into another project on their own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so it's very cool. All right, yeah. so Larry Spencer, by default, is... Rank number one right now, <laughs> right? By default, yes. Yes. Yeah, so, all right, so let's go into the next randomly picked name, and that's going to be Norm Abraham from the New Yankee Workshop. Ray, why don't you tell us a little bit about Norm? Well, Norm Abram has been around on TV uh, for a long time. I'm, I would guess about 30 years. I don't know exactly, but I remember as a kid watching him on TV. And um, he got uh, the very the very earliest shows I remember him on is well you know this old house uh, with Bob Vila and at that time he wasn't like a in co-host status he was like the carpenter on the job and they would interview him uh, oh you know how uh, they they would ask him questions how is this part of the job going and he would uh, you know make some comments for a few minutes and then Bob Vila would move on. But he had, has since uh, branched off into a few other shows. And more importantly uh, for the topic of conversation is uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, Norm, <laughs> I'm sorry, Norm Abrams, um, hold on a second, I can't remember the name of the show. The New Yankee Workshop? The New Yankee Workshop, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, that was also one of, the, one of the shows I watched as a kid, um, along with a couple others on the list here. And it was impressive. The, the, the uh, workshop had just about every tool you could possibly imagine. And he did some beautiful work. And uh, interestingly enough, even though he had every tool to make everything, a lot of his specialty was in shaker-style furniture. He did a lot of shaker-style. And he executed very well, full of tips, um, a lot of detail things that you wouldn't even think about. Uh, he would always include in there. So... Uh, he to say that he is an experienced woodworker is an understatement. Right, right. Yeah, and no, I, I remember his show would come on. My dad, I think, watched it more than I used to because I, I because it was a lot of shaker style furniture. I was it didn't really appeal to me as much. Uh-huh. Um, what did appeal was like the the joints and everything, like the technical yes. part of it that he would go through. Um, yeah. Now is his show still on? No, no, it went off. The of New the Yankee Workshop is no longer on. No, correct. Right. And you know the funny thing is, is that uh, in that uh, show he 
was working in a shop, and everybody remembers a big shop, and it had a back room and a side room for finishing and all that kind of stuff. That was not his shop. That was the producer of the show. It was his shop. <laughs> Funny. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, and uh, Norm Abram would go there and uh, and do all this work, but it was not his shop. Although the impression that you would get from watching the TV show was that it was his. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. All right, well, I guess the question becomes, where do we rank Norm Abrams' comparison to Lars Spencer? Um, he certainly was around before. Um, and he's actually doing the work. Right, he's doing a lot of the work. We, we actually see him doing the work. So you think, I mean, I guess, I feel like he should go above Lars Spencer. What do you guys think? Um, I would say if we were discussing the maker, uh, you know, ranking among maker and making, I think he would be at the top of the list because he does take raw material and turn it into uh, a finished product, whereas, um, you know, lo looking at Flea Market Flip, they've already taken pre-existing objects that someone's already invested a lot of work into and reinventing them. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so I think we go Norm Abrams one for now. Laura Spencer's sitting at number two. Cool. Next one is Mike Holmes from Holmes on Home. Holmes on Holmes. I misspelled that here. Um, Ray introduced us to him, so Ray. Yeah, you you. I remember when you first told us about him. Um, yeah. I have him on the list here, but you yeah, want to tell us a little bit about Mike Holmes? Yeah, he's a, a Canadian. Mm -hmm. um, so that's points against that's him That's already, already points against yeah. him, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> a Canadian uh, contractor, and he's got uh, quite a few years under his belt. Exactly how much, I don't know. But he has the show Homes on Homes, and he also has a, um, a foundation, the uh, Make It Right uh, Foundation. And he, uh, as far as knowledge in the in the field of of building and construction it, every episode becomes evident and he usually comes in and rescues people who have been swindled by uh, shade tree um, contractors yeah people without license damaging doing more damage to their home than they had before so I, I think that part of what appeals to me about Mike Holmes uh, because being a contractor alone isn't isn't um, that big a deal but the fact that he is uh, genuinely concerned with every project and every individual that he comes in contact with, uh, so much so that a, a lot of these uh, these uh, people who he comes in to correct his problems, uh, he does it at no cost. I mean, and, and it is hundreds of thousands of dollars sometimes to fix what they've got uh, happening there. And so he, he's also brought his sons on board, and, and the shows are very interesting because he's passing on that, gen that knowledge to the next generation. And their sons are gonna, uh, his sons are gonna take it on. So, uh, the same goal that you would expect the show to have with with uh, individuals, you know, getting a knowledge and in, in aspects of construction that you may not be familiar with, he is passing on those very lessons on to his his uh, his kids as well. So, uh, and then of course you you do your uh, you factor into that his foundation and uh, altruistically, I think he's probably at the top of the list. It's clearly, he's not in it for money; he doesn't need the money. Uh, but you get that genuine sense from watching him that he does actually care about uh, the people he's helping. Yeah, I mean, and I think 
more so than I guess the two people that we've discussed right now, what he's doing is very helpful to to a lot of people because yeah. not just the person on the show that that moment that had an issue with their house, but it's something that everybody can learn from by watching and saying, oh, okay, if that issue comes up in my house, now I know what to look for. I know what to ask. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, in that sense, I, I always appreciated his show, the the educational part of it that just comes through. It was it was great. And, you know, yeah, I, I think the the charity work and his foundation are great. I mean, I think probably quite a few of these people have that going for them. But I think just the show itself, the educational part of it, I think it's, it's amazing. Um, and I think it's, he's somebody that I learned a lot from as I got into residential architecture. Seeing him as a contractor doing this show and helping people is just, it's, it's great. So, cool. Um, so now the question becomes, where does he go on the list? <laughs> Good question. I mean, I think he's one. You put so him on far, one. out of the out of the three, I, I think I'll put him at two. You think Norm Abram is still higher than him? Yeah, because um, well, you know, like this is about contracting, right? What what mm-hmm. he does. Yeah, most. but I mean that brings in a lot of other things like plumbing, you know, rough carpentry to a degree. It, it brings up he brings up a lot of things. Yeah, not but just you, shaker furniture. And I'm not trying to <laughs> I'm not trying to downgrade Norm Abrams in any way. Yeah, I'm just saying. I, that's it. What do you guys think? I mean, I um, you think he's number two as well, right? Um, I'm kind of uh, on the fence. I think he is either uh, one or tied for one. Well, we can have a tie. <laughs> yeah, I, it's one of those things. He's very, well, I think very, very you, close. You're both, if you're both questioning it, then let's put him at two. Then I, I think that's fine. I'm the only one that's really, that's really um, thinking he's number one. So, okay, so he can go two. Norm Abram still stays one. I'm fine with it. All right, what's All right, next? Who's next? Next is going to be... the uh, Nick Offerman. Nick Offerman. Nick yes. Offerman. So Nick Offerman, of course, from Parks and Recreation fame. Claudia, do you want to talk a little bit about Nick Offerman and what you know about Nick Offerman? Um. Yeah, uh, I, what I know about him mm-hmm. that's, the, that's as much as I can talk I really don't know much about his um, woodworking uh, I guess abilities or show or mm-hmm. I don't think he has a show but um, you know we all we, we've seen him in Parks and Rec mm-hmm. being that that, that guy, guy who yeah. builds stuff with his bare hands mm-hmm. and you know it has to be specifically wood like you know like prime wood you know the table that he sells for like a huge amount of dollars, mm-hmm. like was it $500 or right. more than that, probably. Yeah. Um, and also simplicity. I think that's what came out of the show a lot, like mm-hmm. how he's, uh, you know, simple living, but but quality living. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's probably what we're, we would see at, from him from, I think he started writing books and he started um, also appearing on TV shows and YouTube channels of wood other woodworkers. Right. So, but that's his main thing. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm also hoping that he brings in the, 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 the comedic aspect right. of it because it's, it's hilarious to me, you know, to see mm-hmm. how, how like unflexible he is in certain things. Yeah. Well, and I think the thing that was funny because we saw that character on Parks and Rec, you know, is Ron Swanson. Mm-hmm. And I love that character from the, from the very beginning. Um, 
But when we uh, we later saw a comedy special that he did, and as he was going through the comedy special, so much of that character came through in that comedy special, which tells me a lot of that character was him, right? And yeah, I've not seen a lot of his woodworking work since. I, I think I saw he gave a uh, he gave a uh, a handmade boat to somebody at one point that he had made himself. Um, so he's clearly quite the <clears throat> the woodworksman. Um, he's not as well known for it, perhaps, but you know I think he definitely stands out to me. Do you know anything about uh, Nick Offerman? Yeah, what? it's funny because um, I I had no <coughs> idea who he was, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think a couple of months ago you guys mentioned him, and I started looking up some of his videos. Um, you know, once I saw who he was, I I do recall seeing him in on you know different shows. Um, I've never seen an episode of Parks and Rec, by the way, <laughs> not one. But um, the uh, the episode I saw as well, the very first one was the the uh, handmade kayak. I think it was it was a cedar strip kayak, uh, which is uh, quite an impressive uh, bit of work. As you know, I make boats too. And um, I try to keep them as simple as possible, and yet they, they always seem to be more complicated. So uh, he, he did all that work and then gave it away, I thought was, was, uh, was a nice gesture. And so I ended up seeing a couple of other videos of him, uh, and I don't think he has his own YouTube channel. I tried finding it. However, he is featured on a lot of YouTube channels uh, of all types, so finding videos of him uh, are not bad. And... He has this straight man comedy that still comes across in those woodworking videos. Uh, he doesn't laugh, doesn't smile. The delivery is pretty, pretty straightforward and dry and funny nonetheless. Uh, so some of that does come across, although you, you, do get, um, you do get the understanding that he's very serious about woodworking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And very skilled. I think one of the episodes I saw, he had a, a, a rig that he, I wouldn't say invented, but that he created because uh, I think people have been doing similar setups um, for the same purpose for a while, but I think he executed it beautifully, and that is a uh, a slab leveling uh, table, uh, which I, I thought was very nice. Uh, what it is is two rails, and when you have a big slab of wood that you want to use in its entirety, uh, you, you can't put it in a machine. So he used a, a router to on this on this leveling table to go across the whole slab and make it flat and then you flip it over and do the same uh that that idea has been around a while but the way he executed it is uh, is quite impressive very cool and i think are you looking at his website he has quite a quite a few products that he yeah he really went into product uh, making mm-hmm. so it's it's an interesting thing because he i think he's banking a lot on his uh, name mm-hmm. so that he can put the OWS logo, which is uh, Offerman Woodshop, hmm. you know, like yeah. on on most of this like very Ron Swanson <laughs> products that you would you would think of, like a birthday card that is made out of wood and it just says Happy Birthday. So you know that's sort of like the the straight guy right. that Ray was talking about that like, that he is. He's more of like you know like very I call it simplicity mm-hmm. more than anything. You know, like not. Yeah, well, the thing about Ron Swanson is he was he was very serious about like the craft things and things like that. He could have his fun, but he was very serious about certain things. Yeah, like and a like, mustache comb. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <A> mustache. <laughs> like make <Yeah>. your own. <laughs> yeah. 
that type of stuff. All right, so cool. So Nick Offerman. So where does Nick Offerman fit into it now? Um, certainly he's not as, I guess, he, he, since he doesn't have a show, per se, to do this specifically, well, I mean, you guys put him fourth at this point? Ooh, that's a tough one. Because, again, he's making stuff from scratch, so, uh, you know, the making aspect and the skill, I think, brings him up very high. Um, if You know, when we're thinking about does he have a show, um, that, you know, that being one of the criterias, uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough because he clearly doesn't have a making show. Uh, there, you know, maybe not, maybe something he's thinking about. Maybe we'll see that in the future, but as of right now, uh, the skill's very high, the exposure for the woodworking and making is kind of low. Mm -hmm. so, and so far, out of all the people we've talked about, he's even got products that he's selling that are handmade and, and woodworking products. So, Which puts him a little bit higher because he's actually right. selling his own handmade products. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So in that case, I think he would go... Again, you know, for me, there's a lot of ties. It's hard. It's hard to break these ties. Yeah. Um, but you can't have four number one places, can you? No, no, you can't. That's the hard <laughs> part about this is the ranking. Yeah. Um, so, like, off the top of your head, you're thinking one for for <coughs> Nick Offerman. Is that what you were saying? Now, what's interesting is does the fact that he has his own product line that he makes himself does that outweigh the fact that he doesn't have a show? You know, uh, you know, he kind of did have a show right. in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Yeah, and when we were about to talk about some of the people, because, you know, spoiler alert for some people, there's some fictional characters in this list. In this show, yeah, in this that, list, uh, yeah so. they have a show and they don't make anything, yeah. Right. So. Yeah, so I, I, I would say based on that, the fact that he's selling some of his stuff, that's that's great. And mm -hmm. also just selling his knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. In oh, and DVDs then, and... Right. And the entertainment factor is definitely there. And yeah, yeah how yeah. All right, so I'm cool. Relevance for me was completely there because of the <laughs> So I think I mean more so than the other three that are on here, he's penetrated into popular culture more than any of the three as well. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I think okay, I'm, I'm cool with putting him number one. Mm -hmm. All right, so he's the top of the list right now. The next one is. All right, so everybody knows this person based on his rapping career back in the, was it 90s? <laughs> career is a so, stretch. Yeah. yeah, I mean, career might be a stretch. <laughs> you have a good point. <laughs> but uh, Vanilla Ice had a project, on, had a project, had a, a um, show, or he may still have a show. I've not watched it, to be honest with you, um, on the DIY network, and it was called the Vanilla Ice Project. And I think some people might not be familiar with the fact that Vanilla Ice, I guess, when he was having his rap presence, let's just call mm -hmm. it, bought a bunch of houses around that time. He had like houses all over the place. And at some point, he decided to start renovating them all. And that's what the show is about, him, him renovating all the houses that he's owned, you know. So, I don't necessarily see Vanilla Ice as an expert on house renovation. But, you know, I think it's it was a popular thing. For, it was a popular show for a while there. I thought it was worth talking about. It's on HGTV. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's still on, isn't it? It's yeah, still, I on. it's still <coughs> on. I thought it had moved to DIY Network. Mysteriously, though. for some unknown reason, it's still on. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you ever watched the show? 
I have seen about 15 minutes of it. Yeah. Because uh, I was watching something else, and and the very first time this thing came up, Vanilla, I, what the, what is this? This guy has a show. I, I don't know what this is. And I saw it, and honestly, uh, I found it very difficult to watch uh, because uh, clearly he he isn't really a a contractor. He isn't really a carpenter. He's not the guy that really gets his hands in dirty, but he fancies himself a designer. And so he comes in and, you know, and sometimes he comes up with some uh, good ideas. Um, I wouldn't call it uh, five years in architecture school <laughs> worthy design ideas, but, um, but you know, some all right ideas. And, but you, even in his demeanor, he is still that rap guy from, you know, nearly 30 years ago or 20 years ago, whatever it is. Uh, so I can't get past that. And so I, I, I stuck it out for 15 minutes and I said, that's all I could take. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he's certainly hard to take seriously at yeah. times, I think, because of his background. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I think that's kind of... Um... A little bit of biases, right? It is. Behind. It's a little bias. I mean, but I mean, and I think, little, like, yeah. for for me, I, I appreciate that he, because of his background and because of the history behind him, and once you start seeing season six, I mean, mm-hmm. something must be successful about him if he's done right, six right, seasons, clear. right? Like, there's people who follow him, and especially like those that you know are probably like you know like urban, mm-hmm. you know, like they they like that they they you know you can. Be a rapper and also a maker. Mm-hmm. To me, that's great because that's expanding the mm-hmm. the, the, I, the range of makers. Yeah. And I think it is about it. I think it's what he's doing is better than some of the... There were a lot of uh, house flipping shows for a while. Like, I, I think I appreciate more what he's doing than some of these house flipping shows that were about, like, do it as cheap as possible because I'm going to flip it for this much money. And, like, the money part of it played a lot into it and the time factor because it was all about making the profit off of it. You know, and his show is more about sort of renovations and... I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I do appreciate it more than some other shows that are out there. I, I can't say I've watched too much of it because um, I haven't. Yeah. But, yeah, you can't argue with six seasons of... One that's a lot of houses he has, by the way. But yeah, yeah. Um. yeah and I, I would say from the again from the equity part of this discussion, mm-hmm. it's it's really good to be able to see that those the people who are not necessarily, you know, you look at them and you're like, oh well, that person is not going to make something, mm-hmm. or they're not going to do it yourself. Uh, you know, like fix something in their house. Right. Well, yeah, they can. They can actually do it, and mm-hmm. and there's a place for everyone in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nothing. This he was having uh, the the episodes I've seen. He was having fun as he was doing it too. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think yeah. He, I've seen where he has fun destroying stuff. Yeah, definitely had fun destroying yeah. stuff. <laughs> um, I mean, I we're looking at the the list so far. I definitely put him ahead of Lara Spencer, I think. Um, well, I feel bad about that because, you know, I like Lara having a hard time on this list. Yeah. <laughs> I do like Lara Spencer, but I definitely put him ahead of Lara Spencer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I mean, for that matter, like, we could check how many, how many, how many episodes one has had over the other, right? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think Flea Market Flip is like season eight or something. Yeah. 
So then, you know, she's up there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's, yeah, I mean, that, that's why I'm having a hard time. It's, this is going to be tough. <laughs> this is not going to be an easy thing to, to do. I also have a hard time putting vanilla ice ahead of Mike Holmes, for example. Uh, yeah, I would too. Right? Yeah, you yeah. wouldn't do that. I, yeah, I wouldn't want to do no, that. Yeah, you know the other thing is whenever whenever I see even commercials for the uh, the Vanilla Ice project, I, I the idea of the lawsuit between him and Queen always comes up, and, <laughs> and so I don't I don't know why. I know it's been so many years ago, but that's what I see. I see this humongous lawsuit where he lost because he was stealing uh, a musical uh, portion from Queen, and uh, and and that's all I can think about is this. You know, is I I still think of that guy. I don't think of when I see him now. I don't think of the the Vanilla Ice now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we all know that TV loves a redemption story, right? And America yeah. loves a redemption story, but apparently for Ray, there's no redemption stories. <laughs> <laughs> no, tough. you're it's a screw up. You've always been. A, you will always uh, be a screw up. <laughs> maybe Ray's just that. Maybe Ray's a bigger Queen fan than I thought. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, here, look at it this way. They still play one of their music on the air almost on a daily basis. I still hear Queen on the air. I don't never I never hear Vanilla Ice. Yeah. So, so longevity. <laughs> We're <laughs> really not like music though. Yeah. All right, well, so we got to make a decision. So I think we're going to put Vanilla Ice fifth at this point? Yes. Yeah. All right. All right, so let's see. Next person on the list is... Reagan randomly selected... Scott Phillips from American Woodshop. Who yeah. tell us a little bit about Scott Phillips? Another yes. another uh, long timer. Yeah, he's been on the air twenty uh, some odd years, and I remember when I first, uh, you know, was a teenager watching PBS and Norm Abram and uh, one or two of the other ones on the list. But Scott Phillips was on that list with the American Woodshop, and he um, he was impressive. Uh, he was all the things that Norm Abram wasn't. He didn't have any big shop. He didn't have every tool uh, available. Um, and, and But he still had a lot of ability. And his projects were actually uh, much more sophisticated and much more hand tool oriented. So instead of having a power tool for everything, like, uh, like Norm Abram, and, and uh, uh, Scott Phillips was the exact opposite. He was kind of a... Not a strictly hand tool guy, but kind of in between. Some power tools, some hand tools, uh, the right tool for the job. And if you didn't have the exact tool tool for the job, you could work around it. So um, as far as the, the craftsmanship, um, I thought he had quite an impressive amount of craftsmanship in his uh, repertoire of, of abilities. However, he was personality-wise on the air, I found him a little bit... Uh, more difficult to watch uh, than, for example, uh, Norm. So I wonder uh, if that's why they've added his wife to the show. And yes, and so some years later, I'm not exactly sure when that happened, his wife came in. Susie, I believe her name is. Yeah, and uh, and I've seen, I think, one or two episodes with his wife. I don't really watch as much TV as I used to, uh, but uh, every once in a while, this will his show will come up and uh, I will see with his wife. And... I think she does make it a little bit more interesting. I think I think that was a wise move. And the show still on. Yeah, still on. PBS, right? Yep, twenty some odd twenty some odd years, and it's right. still on the air. So longevity for sure there. Yeah. Um, and I think he also has some uh, 
with some of the popular woodworking magazines, they do features uh, with him. So I think he's got some a little bit wider spread uh, exposure than than Norm. Mm. I mean, I think right off the bat, I put him ahead of Norm Abrams. Yeah. Because one, the show's still going. Still on the air, yeah. Uh, similar craft, but to a degree more difficult. He like you like you mentioned, he didn't have all the tools. Yeah, um, and he also has a, a smaller shop. And by the way, that is his shop. Right. <laughs> so that also yeah. plays a role in it as well. Right. So yeah, I mean, I, I'm right now thinking at least third. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. What do you think, Claudia? From what Ray just told us. Yeah, based from what Ray just told us, I think longevity plays a big role into this because he has experience. Mm-hmm. And um, twenty some years. That's that's a lot of TV. And PBS is, you know, because it's public television, it's definitely available to everyone, right? You don't right. need to have cable mm-hmm. to to have it. Right. So I think in that sense, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, because it, those that can't afford for cable can watch them no matter what. Mm-hmm. And um, I think even at this point, if you've never seen the show, you've at least heard of American Woodshop. Yes, which is a big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as I understand it, that like some people also are are critical of most of these PBS shows, but yeah, well, I think I think it's at the, I would put him up top personally. You would put him one, even though I don't know him, mm-hmm. which is an interesting thing, and I've never seen this. Mm-hmm. Um. That makes it hard because <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen it. Because <laughs> I don't know it, uh-huh. but I'm not part of his. Am I? Am I his demographic? target demographic? Yeah, target no. demographic. Mm-hmm. Right. That makes a big difference based right. on what I'm using as yeah. my. As, yeah. So and maybe that's no. Why maybe I was he would him, That's why I was putting him third, still behind Mike Holmes, because it's still very sort of a, a woodworking is sort of a smaller. Subsector of what he what 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 he's getting right. Yeah, so. I would say definitely debunks Nick Offerman. But Nick Offerman's number one, so you got to put that means we're putting Scott Phillips number one. Oh, that's true. So yes, well, I, I got to imagine. Uh, you know, I, I love Nick Offerman. I can't imagine Nick Offerman's not going to end up ranked number one in this list. Who <laughs> um, yeah, so knows? He might surprise us. So you're going. Yeah, think two? All right. So yeah. let's put him two. I, I, yeah, I think just because of the longevity, I think he does pass Mike Holmes. Yeah, he's been around a while and been he's been able to hold his uh, his position in uh, not only in the show but on TV. Because if you're no good, you know they'll they'll say yeah, we're we're just not gonna we're not gonna let you do any more episodes. Right, and especially in PBS, they would have booted him out of there a while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right, go to the next one. All right, so this is going to be our first fictional uh, maker. First. <laughs> well, I mean, the first one we're talking <laughs> yes. about. There's two others still. People are going to be like, whoa. Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about Tim Allen's Tim the Toolman Taylor, who, of course, the was... The character. The character, yeah. yeah. We're not not putting Tim Allen on the list. We're talking about Tim the Toolman Taylor, who was... Uh, man, now the name of the show escapes me. It was... Uh, but well, his um, show was Tool Time inside yeah. the show of uh, inside Tim Allen's show, which was I can't remember oh, either. Oh man, we can remember. All I can think of is his current show that he has. Um, what was it? What was his show? It was Home Improvement. Home Improvement, yeah. Which is a, <laughs> which is a also, title. Uh, has a good title for it. Has a good title, <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. 
Um, so Tillman Taylor, uh, obviously a fictional character, was the character that Tim Allen played in Home, Home Improvement. He was... So this is where it gets a little... Because he was the lead of the show, right? Mm-hmm. Of the of the two-time show inside the show. But he was not... He was very knowledgeable, but he was always the guy making mistakes, right? Yeah, yeah. His sidekick to, on the show was with Al Borland, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, Al. Yeah, Al with a beard. He was sort of the more knowledgeable woodworker and everything. Ron, Ron Swanson type-esque, right? Right, Ron Swanson type character, a yeah. A beard with the... Flannel all flannel the time. wearing. And, you know, like not having that, you know, like his sense of humor was basically like very straightforward, but that was mm-hmm. what was funny about him. Right. And it's funny because it sort of tells you the... But Tim had this show, it was his show, be, because he was a more entertaining character. Yeah. So... And it goes to the name, right? Because it's home improvement. He's mm-hmm. the one that needed the most improvement. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, that's true. And, and not just within the... Within his show. Mm-hmm. And what he did at home. But also, you know, like, just the, the facts of, like... Like, it ran from 1991 to 1999. That's, mm-hmm. like, eight-year run. Yeah, no, it's, it was... Yeah. It was it's a, a very long show. time. So it was like, I think it was like bringing in the American household into mm-hmm. like uh, under the, the telescope, you know, like uh, like being able to see exactly what, yeah. what, what it takes to, to run a home mm-hmm. and like on a personal level, you know, like what, what, what a dad does and his role mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and how imperfect he is, right. even with his kids, that was still like, he was always the, mm-hmm. the the main provider right. for his house, which was great. Yeah, and he didn't just do woodworking. He also was always working on what is it, the hot rod. I don't know. The I don't know if at the, yeah. I don't know if at the end of the show it, it ever got built, but he was working on that hot rod throughout the show. It did. Like yeah. that was that was how it, how they ended. They yeah. they both they rode off. Yeah, they rode off. Like uh, a la Grease style, is that how they did it? I, I think, think so. <laughs> was it? Oh man. I think so. I actually think so. Oh. <laughs> um, so yeah, I uh, you know it's funny because Tim Allen the person. Uh, is a big car collector. I'm mean, huge car collector. He's got a uh, big, you know, hot rod guy. So they brought a lot of those aspects into the show, uh, Home Improvement. But for me, the most interesting part of the show was the the show within the show. It's kind of like like Inception of TV shows. Exactly. Uh, the show within the show was was the most entertaining, the most interesting. And I think what appealed to me about uh, the the Tool Man, the character is the fact that it wasn't just worth doing, it was worth overdoing. Mm-hmm. And if you know anything about me, you know that that's my philosophy right there. Uh, if, if, if something um, you know, of one size will work, then 10 sizes bigger is even better. And so I, I like the idea of, uh, that he always overpowered things. You know, if, if half a horsepower will do, then 10 will make it even, even yeah, more yeah. powerful. Yeah. And he would so, growl, right, as <laughs> he said it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I think that that what happens is a lot of people, a lot of guys like me especially, uh, that all, you know feel this way about stuff. I think that the that the Toolman show was so appealing, uh, and that, that character was so appealing, uh, even though they really never re- actually showed any projects being built or anything like that. Uh, but I think the the nature of the of that character within the character. Uh, and the show within the show was had the mass appeal, and I think that's I wouldn't doubt if that's what made that show last as long as it did. Yeah, it also poked fun at at the shows that we're talking about. 
Yeah. Right? Because, yes. you know, like, it was like this over-exaggeration of what a home improvement show is like. Mm-hmm. Um, with Pamela Anderson being, like, the, the, the babe. Right. You know, yeah. and it's like the 1990s. Like, the model. Non-POC. The... Like, not, not, not PC. Like, political correctness, right. you know. It's definitely not. I did see like, that episode. I thought that was there. funny. No, I, oh, she was she was there a lot. She yeah. was there a lot at the beginning, then she left for a while because she got famous, mm-hmm. and then like towards the end of the show, she came back. She came back. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do wonder. So I guess here's the question about the show, right? This clearly put Tim Allen on the on the on the map. Although, and I know you mentioned Tim Allen briefly, but when I think of Tim Allen, I can't help but. Well, I mean, people should Google. I'm not going to get into the, the crime <laughs> background of Tim Allen, but the crime, yeah. You see what I mean? It's like vanilla ice. It's hard. You guys are so bad. (laughs) Again, America likes redemption stories. You know what? You Google what what he did, and then you tell me what you did. Anyways, let's not get into that. Um, That's a long, long topic there. Yeah. Um, You're going to Google it right now. (laughs) Um, So, it definitely put him on the map. The I forgot what I was going to (laughs) say. Um, what was I going to do? Now the crime. Now I can think about it, it's the crime back. <laughs> yeah, of course. Okay, I, think I, I have a feeling that you were probably going along the lines that uh, even though you know we got all this uh, fictional stuff, he didn't actually make yeah, he, anything. Right, he wasn't actually making something. So where does that fit into it? I think that puts him under uh, behind our lowest, our lowest uh, uh, ranker right now because because of that fact, he mm-hmm. didn't actually make anything although no, but what about the impact anything? the show made though because if you think about it a lot, some of the makers that we've been talking about here and one specifically i'm going to talk about later like used to come on the show oh yeah right like yeah. bob let's just say bob villa used to come on the show bob villa was like his nemesis that's true, on the show true, yeah you know so that's... it definitely made an impact so that's the question is where does it fit into when you consider that and you know he's not really and not truly a maker yeah. um and I also think that, you know, from in the 1990s, it was so much harder to mm. to get your name out there mm. Here's the than question it is right now. I wonder how well the show holds up. This is, it was probably a very 90s show. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen this since, you know, it was on TV. I wonder how well it holds up. I'm not going to go watching it, but if anybody... I, I think it would. It I'm going to get you a, uh, a season collection. <laughs> yes, that's what I need. <laughs> on VHS, <laughs> not even on DVD, right? Yes, that's right. Um, so, we rank it 7th, the last one. I'm going to put him ahead of Vanilla Ice. Ah. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. I, I, I find that a little bit hard. You you find it hard to put him ahead of Vanilla Ice, though? <laughs> as much as I don't like Vanilla Ice. <laughs> Great choices here. <laughs> uh, yeah, as long as I don't like it, I, I think that the fact that he never actually made anything, I think that weighs a little bit heavily. For me, for, uh, yeah. you know, that's fine with me. I'm not. I'm not going to fight over it's one fine. spot because he's either six or seven, so he goes and it's seven. The last spot. <laughs> and it's the last spot currently. So. Yeah. All right. So moving on. Randomly select another name here. We're going to go with. Okay, here is uh, Paul Tuttle Senior and Junior from Orange County Choppers. Um, so this was a. Sh- Show a reality show, I guess you would call it. Probably, well, I mean, I guess they're all kind of reality shows. Yeah. When you really think about it, even though we don't talk about them in that sense. Um, but this more so than the others was a reality show because it. So for those that don't know, the Orange County Chopper Crew used to make custom motorcycles, custom choppers. 
right? Mm-hmm. And Paul Jr. and Paul Sr. were sort of the owners, uh, father and son. And it just sort of, the show just sort of followed them making these motorcycles and a lot of arguing between them. You know, Paul Jr. Yeah. was really the designer of the of the bikes. Paul Sr. was more of the running the thing at that point, even though he started the company. But they would build custom choppers. Um, yeah. So the reason I put it on here is because when I used to watch their show when I was young, um, they they were some of the first people that I saw using a water jet, for example. Oh, okay. You know, on TV especially, and, and CNC machines and things like that that now are becoming so much, you know, so common in in shops. So, I don't know, that's why they hold a special place in my in my ranking because of that. Um, how, what do you, hmm. how do you guys feel about this guy? I, mean, I would say the process. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate it, seeing the yeah. process and also how they include design as part of, mm-hmm. you know, a, a an important tool. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and it's like, and and they really put money behind eventually behind design, yeah. design like having three D rendering, yeah. renderings, and then having, um, like the the screens that um that you could write on, that yeah. you could write and design on, you know, like mm-hmm. they they and showing investment, like what it takes, what type of investment you need to run a shop like theirs. Mm-hmm. So I think that was really cool, and then um also showing a little bit of their life behind it and how it affects them and right. eventually they end up breaking up because of everything they end up splitting up even though they're father and son yeah they end up splitting up over the whole thing and it's all well real i, I guess i want as much as any reality show is i guess but yeah you know i i, I like that and you know the typical again american story from mm-hmm. northern parts of the country so yeah. it's really cool yeah what do you think about it? you're familiar with this show uh, yeah, I am, and uh, in its early in its early stages, I did watch uh, quite a few of the of the beginning uh, episodes, uh, probably for the first year, maybe two years, um, and I, I did get bored with it. And for me, the reason I got bored with it, and I and I'm, I agree with you, Claudia, the process was quite fascinating. You know, taking uh, particularly when they took just raw sheets of flat metal and they turned it into um, you know gas tanks or fenders or what have you. Uh, uh, similarly, it's the kind of stuff I do now. Uh, so the the process was quite interesting, but I think the reason I got bored with it is because it, they really only made one product. It was it was one thing. It was always uh, a chopper. It was always a motorcycle. And uh, and just to clear the air, I, you know, I have a motorcycle. I ride. I, I enjoy it very much. Uh, so it's not anything against motorcycles. Uh, I just found it as far as as uh, it got the a little concept. repetitive. Yeah, it was always the same thing. Another gas tank, another fender, you know, another uh, Harley engine or our SNS engine uh, to be more specific. Uh, and so it was always the same kind of kit of parts, you know, another frame, another. Every once in a while, they would deviate and, and do something extremely off the wall. Yeah, like a four wheeler or something. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, you know, I think they did a trike for a disabled veteran once, and where you can just roll your your uh, wheelchair right into it and start riding. So they did some interesting things, but um, the not to take away from the technical skill, the process, the ability, and as you mentioned, uh, all of the the uh, high tech equipment. Um, it's funny because I've got all that stuff now. Um, I, I I wouldn't say that that was the uh, the motivating show, the one show that I saw that really motivated me. But um, uh, interesting. Um, the fact that it was one product, I think, 
knocks them down for me a little bit. The process brings, you know, all the different processes brings them up. Um, and then for me, the family squabble, you know, that whole thing, which is probably what made them so famous. People like conflict and, and you know, on TV, conflict plays out well. But the family squabbles for me was uh, was kind of uninteresting. So I think I think that's what waned me very off in the in the beginning. Hmm. Um, I also wanted to point out that not only did they focus on their shop, but they also uh, focused on their on their vendors. Yeah, the painters, the yes. painters, yeah, and everything yeah. else. So I, you know, because of that, I would say it wasn't a one one product thing, because while you know there's they're building a chopper, hmm. which is the product. There's so many different components to, the trades, to, yeah, right. trades yeah. to do that, yeah. and and they wouldn't necessarily always go with like, okay, so this is how you make the gas, the, mm -hmm. the gas tank, right? Which I think is like they would always get it from someone else. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they would make their own. They were like, worth yeah. the time, and then they yeah. had to get it tested, pressure tested to make sure. But they would all exactly, and that's and that's yeah. the thing. Like they would focus on other things that you could do mm -hmm. that 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 particular shop would do. Yeah. Um, I think they could have expanded on that if had they you know like talked to people and <laughs> received like feedback. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that it wouldn't be so much so so much of a focus on their family squabble, but but you know you could argue that that's the reason people watch that show, right? I remember when they the peel yeah. when they they did an episode at one point about like oh how this all got started and the it wasn't supposed to include the fights and everything like that, and when they were the the producer was recording they were like we kind of have to put this in because it happens so often and it's going to bring is going to be entertaining and when the when the family first saw it they were ready to sue him they were like you can't show this you're making me look like an ass yeah yeah and then the ratings came in and they were like well i guess it works <laughs> you know without the fighting people wouldn't watch it as much yeah. and, and I, I wonder if that's ultimately what ended up dooming the show because once they split up and went their own ways there was the less fighting, conflict right there was less conflict people wouldn't yeah. watch the show as much so so i don't know i mean where do we put them then? We are up to seven so far. Yeah. Well, technical ability. Uh, the show. How do you know how long it ran? Oh man, I don't know offhand. Um, five or six years. Gonna, it's got to be at least yeah. five or six years. And then I think they had it split off because I think when when they split, they did a lot of other uh, like special episodes and things like that. So uh, I think I think it probably ran quite a bit. Um. And, and, you know, one thing that we should probably mention is that they grew so much that they ended up having a, a custom building designed for them, which was a beautiful building, by the way. Yeah, Not something nice you building. would expect for a, mo yeah. a motorcycle fabrication facility. No, not at all. It had, like, a showroom attached to the motor, yeah, to the manufacturing, yeah. Yeah. They invested on their, yeah. yeah. They invested yeah. in their craft. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, uh, technical skill, ability, um the the technological aspect that they exposed that you know like you said the first time you ever saw a water jet um i think that 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 rates highly uh, then of course it's all the conflict <laughs> that was probably what made them famous and so well known but um i, I personally i think it detracted from the making mm. yeah but i mean but it probably mm. gave them more exposure right yeah and you, yeah, you can argue they were definitely, they were definitely better known than some of these woodworkers or whatnot because of that. You know, they were a, a very popular show. Yeah. Um, hmm. I don't know. What are you guys thinking? I uh, this is a tough one. 
where you were what did your gut tell you about the ranking when you look at the people we have up here right now i would say the just theme of, just for yeah. we can see the listing but not everybody can there are currently nick offerman is number one yeah followed by scott scott phillips then mike holmes from homes and homes then norm abram then lara spencer then tim the toolman taylor and then vanilla ice so my gut feeling is telling me probably some probably be, between norm abraham and laura spencer you think uh, only be, because norm abraham has much more longevity obviously that's true that's a good point and you know norm abraham did everything by hand hey how do you guys i mean talk, talk about this how do you put that because a lot of the stuff even though the the american choppers guys did do a lot by hand they were as the show went on it was more by machine yeah, a lot more CNC. Right. Yeah. So and, and you know it's one. Of, it's funny because when you mentioned design, that they had all the tablets and the computer aided design. Uh, you know when uh, still to this day when I design I start with paper, mm. pencil and paper. So I think that that they're missing one of those those little um, opportunities by just jumping right into the computer. Um, well, and, and to be fair, I think early on in the show. It was mostly done by him when he was a junior doing it. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. A lot of the computer-aided design came in after Junior left the main shop and started his own. The, they hired this kid that basically did everything on the computer. He didn't do anything by hand. Yeah. Which sort of show the contrast, you know? Yeah, which, by the way, like, out of their, the two of them, you know, Senior and Junior, mm -hmm. uh, Senior's shop, which is the original Orange County shop, yeah. Choppers, they had to auction it off earlier this year. Oh, yeah. really? The entire but, shop, yeah. So his, yeah, like, that's was the not building. successful at all. I yeah. thought so too, but the building, they're still in there. Right. They no longer own the building. Yeah, and that, right. does, that doesn't say great things about their yeah. business. <laughs> well, I mean, I think they probably banked a lot on the fame of the show going on for a while. And yeah. once the show went away, they're probably some of their business went away and they couldn't afford to have that huge shop and huge yeah. building. Yeah. But I remember you're at, in the last season of the, of the show, they, they had to move out of that building. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't see the entire last season, but I remember seeing an episode where they moved out of that building. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So where are we where are we ranking where are we ranking them? We you, we said ten seasons, right? Yeah. Ten seasons. Um, That's longer than I thought. Yeah, that is longer than I thought too. I mean, I feel okay about putting them between Norm and Larry Spencer, which would put them at fifth. Mhm. Mm is that is everybody cool with that? Yeah. Yep. That works. Okay, good. So here, let me put a cat down and <laughs> let's see the next. Roy Underhill, the Woodbright uh, shop and the Woodsmith shop for his shows. Good old Roy Underhill. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm not sure how hmm? familiar you guys are with Roy Underhill, but I will tell you that Roy Underhill was the reason I started woodworking. Uh, the original show, The Woodwright Shop, I'm not familiar with The Woodsmith Shop, but uh, I did see almost every episode of The Woodwright Shop. Um, he did everything 100% entirely by hand. No power tools at all. And uh, I found that quite impressive, in particular the, the uh, skill that he had and the range of projects that he took on with only hand tools. And uh, some were very simple, some were so... Uh, rare that you'd be hard-pressed to find them. And uh, the one episode in particular, and, and this might sound funny, 
to you, but I saw where he had a spring pole lathe. And for those who are not familiar with a spring pole lathe, that's where you take a a uh, a sapling or you can take a, a stick, but you got to anchor the bottom. It's easier if it's a sapling because it's already rooted. Um, it's got to be about uh, six, seven, eight feet, and you you bend it down and you tie a rope to the top of it. And that rope comes down and around your workpiece. This is for a lathe. And it makes one or two wraps around the workpiece and then down to a pedal. And as you push the pedal down, that rope turns your piece of wood. And as you release it, the, the, the sapling pulls that rope up and it turns it back the other way. So you're turning on a lathe without having to rely on anybody but yourself. Uh, it's a very early, early, early way of, of wood turning. Um, uh, before they put flywheels and treadles and all that kind of stuff on it. And I saw that. And I thought that was the most amazing thing I ever saw. And I was probably 15, maybe 16 or so. And I decided to go and build my own lathe. Um, but not a uh, not a spring pole lathe. But You know, the, the one that you helped me move. Yeah, the heaviest thing I've ever <laughs> lifted. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. lathe that you helped me move a few times uh, was eight foot long. And it was actually the second generation. The first one I had for about a week. And I immediately didn't like it. And then I built that second one. So um, it was because of Roy Underhill. I remember being fascinated with his show and his abilities uh, and uh, how simple he made things look that that inspired me to go and build my first uh, machine, my first lathe. That that was quite a bit of first. It was my first machine, my first lathe, uh, my first woodworking project. I mean, it was a first all the way across the board. I had to go out and buy a saw and a drill just to be able to build it. So... Uh, it was uh, such an inspiration that that's what uh, I would say. If there was one person, one show, one one thing that in, that triggered it, it would be Roy Underhill. Right. Okay, that's pretty cool. Uh, you know, it's funny, right? Because you know everything that you say, like the, the your first everything. Um, when you look at his Wikipedia description, it says uh, many hand tool aficionados hold Roy Underhill in extremely high regard and may refer to him with the shorthand Saint Roy. <laughs> <laughs> and when you say you know he was my first and, and and you know like the reason why I did this the reason why I did that that's sainthood right mm. there that is yeah. sainthood mm. <laughs> it's interesting huh. yeah I mean I'm not I'm not very familiar with him and his show um, now is he show is one of his shows still going on no, no, so he's so he was born in like 1950s, and he was raised in Washington D.C. actually, oh, which was that. really interesting. Nice. But he moved to North Carolina apparently, and then ever since then, another really important thing about his background is that he was the first master housewright at the Colonial William, Williamsburg Reconstruction, hmm. which wow. is probably why you know like the there's the the traditional wood making um, processes were attributed to. To him as well, not not you know from back in the day, but you know like yeah. recent well, modern day history. Right, he's such he's yeah. such a knowledge of it. He's yeah. in his mid to late sixties right now, hmm. um, and he does teach. So he's like currently like he's been he has a uh, a workshop or a classroom uh, in North Carolina that he that he focuses. I think it's on in teaching. Chapel Hill, isn't it? Yeah, in Pittsboro, North Carolina. Yeah. Hmm. So and and he's doing. Uh, communications consultant to others i guess because he's been doing this for so long so right. if you if you're ever going to be a woodworker who wants to have your own show even on youtube or like a big you know like i would contact him as a mentor mm. cool. yeah now mm. i would think that there's actually quite a lot of people that were in my position uh that roy underhill was was uh, was a inspirational uh figure 
and you would be hard pressed to find anybody who has any knowledge of woodworking, um, their own shop, or even uh, any other host of any show that does not know who Roy Underhill is. I mean, I think it, he has been that, um, uh, he has affected that many people. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that certainly speaks volumes then as to where he ranks on here. One yeah. last thing that yeah. I, I'd like to say, so he, he is also well-versed, like he studied his craft. So he, like I said, he graduated from um, uh, yeah, North, University of North Carolina at Ch- Chapel Hill with and degrees that he has is like an engineering, forestry, and history. You know, he has, he's a master of forestry, which is really interesting because it, you know, it tells you that, you know, like an, a well-educated person mm-hmm. um, is he's classically is trained, classically trained. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> earthly trained. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well. And of course it goes without saying he has several books. I have a few yeah. of his books. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I think that to me, all of this discussion makes it pretty clear as to where he should go on this list. I don't know. I, I, Do I, I even so. need to say it? Uh, I think it's pretty obvious. And, and so behind course, Vanilla Ice? Yeah, yeah clearly <laughs> Vanilla Ice beats. <laughs> so he clearly goes number one ahead of Nick Offerman at this point. And let's see, who do we speak about next? We... Alright, so... This is two people that are going in together. And I'm talking about Jonathan and Drew Scott. The, they're better known as the Property Brothers. Uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with this show, but basically, Drew, they're twins, they look very much alike, Drew is the real estate agent, Jonathan is a contractor, so this is really mostly going to be about (laughs) where Jonathan fits into it, although again, it brings up the the design part of it as well, but uh, the way this works is that they help people that are looking for a house. They show them sort of three houses with three design options as to how they can improve it and make it fit their home, their needs better. Then the couple decides on one of the houses, they buy it, and they do the work. Drew does the work for, no, I'm sorry, Jonathan does the work for them. So, you know, I mean, I think very relevant to home ownership and, and to design because they show that they do a very good job of showing the designs and speaking as to how homes work for specific people. Uh, very a lot of computer aided design, but you know that's also there. That's also during the presentation to the owners or the or the clients. So, are you guys familiar with the show? I am familiar with the show. Uh, Jen likes to watch, and I will watch them. Uh, at the, you know, when if if she's watching, I'll I'll sit with her and watch it. Um, the the best part of the show, the absolute best part of the show, is you. Uh, usually, the clients have a uh, a wish list of all the things they want. And the very first thing they show them is a house that meets every criteria on their wish list. And then they give them the price and the devastation on the client's face. <laughs> the disappointment is probably, uh, I think, almost my favorite part of the show. Because from there, they, they have to convince them that uh, what they want is out of their budget. And here is how we're going to do it. So they... they they take that reality that they can't afford what they want. They bring them back down uh, to a level that they can afford it, but they have to buy a fixer-upper. And then they give them the three options and, and, and what they can do for them. And what I, the other part that I like is how skeptical the clients are. They, they're not 
they they lack the ability to envision, and I think that that uh, is where the design uh, aspect, and you know, we're all designers, uh, the ability to envision a a concept before it's built is what sets designers apart, and I think that that's where uh, uh, I'm not sure which one is which because, like you said, they are they're uh, twins, and I can never remember which one's which. <laughs> but where the design uh, ability of one and the the construction ability of the other really make a very uh, a powerful combination. Right. Yeah. 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 But the yeah. devastation obviously is my favorite part. I do enjoy that. <laughs> you do enjoy the devastation. <laughs> yeah, when they're like, well, you can see it in their eyes and it just washes over them and they realize that they, they want more than they can afford. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, let's. Uh, where do we where do we fit this guy's at? Um, interesting, because uh, I I wouldn't put them at the level of Mike Holmes. I wouldn't put them at that level, but uh, but I would definitely put them because they're doing a lot of stuff somewhere in the Laura Spencer zone. You know, above or below Laura Spencer. Me personally, that's where I would. Now I kind of agree. I actually was thinking they would fit right in between the Orange County Chopper crew and Laura Spencer, to be honest with you. Okay. So. Audio? Okay. Yeah. Same thing. I agree. You agree? Mm. All right. Let's keep moving through. And uh, uh, all right. So next on the list, let's go to so they're probably one of the better known ones, and that's Bob Vila. Um, there's probably not a lot that needs to be said about Bob Vila because everybody knows who he is, right? Yeah, and um, people would probably say he was probably the first. Right. I mean, I'm not sure if that's true, but he's certainly mm. known as the first. Exactly. Right. He's appeared on a lot of the shows that we've talked about as sort of the the grandfather of it all. Um, his show was uh, um, what was it called? It was uh, um, it was called This Old House. This Old House, mm-hmm. yeah. And then he had a few other ones like Home Again. Yeah. Uh, and I think he had a couple of others. I can't remember them all. One his name. One bared his name. Yeah, well, like about Bill's show or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think. Not much of a case needs to be made for him. The question is, where do the word we put him? And you know, I've always thought of him as towards the top. The question is, is he ahead of Roy Underhill or not? Well, you know, it's interesting because even though he is, you know, like the home improvement guy, the uh, television personality for this kind of stuff, um, you never actually saw him getting his hands dirty, or very rarely. So. Um, that and, and I, I really even hate to say this, but, uh, whenever I watch the show, even, even in the beginning, now remember in the beginning, he's probably the only show that you could watch or one of the very few, uh, I found him to be very arrogant, very arrogant towards the other contractors, the other trades, he, he very dismissive. He's like, Oh, what are you guys doing here? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you move on, you know, Oh, this, these guys are doing, pla-, and, and he was just very arrogant in the, in the show. And um, later on, I, uh, uh, he was doing a, uh, I was probably 19, 20. He was doing a, uh, like a book signing at a Sears in Florida. And um, I went there just to see, and, and I mean, just looking at him and how he's interacting with the people, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to stick around. So, <laughs> so for me, the personality kind of really kills uh, the, because uh, that's, you know, part of, of the whole thing uh and the fact that you never actually saw him making anything um 
but he does have such a well-known name, recognized everywhere. I would even venture worldwide. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that he has been, his name has been spread out everywhere. Right. Uh, it's hard to dismiss that. Yeah, one thing I would say is that uh, <laughs> after Ray's really critical review of Bob Villa, uh, he is a Cuban-American uh, from Miami, Florida, which is funny because Ray is also a Cuban-American. Um, the other thing I would say is that he, so for Latinos here, and you know, our, many of our, of our listeners that we met through Maker Faire, they were mentioning to me like, oh, it's great that you guys, you know, that you're a Latina and you're there and it'd be great to hear more about our our contributions to this whole making movement. So I think Bob Billa uh, personifies that. Now, about his attitude, you know, like arrogancy is kind of like runs through the <laughs> veins of men as a whole. <laughs> so, uh, you know, like it's funny that, you know, like that, that I guess his is just a lot more upfront. It's more than usual, yeah. Yeah. And but one, one important thing, though, is that, you know, his education is based on journalism. And, um, and I think that, and, and PR, you know, like he is the epitome of PR. And while we can say that, um, you know, he, he didn't build anything, he was definitely able to bring the whole home improvement um, field to, to what it is now even. So I think there should be recognition for that. Right. I mean, I think there's no doubt about it that he made this show genre popular. And yeah. home improvement popular and, you know, restoring America, restoring houses and homes and, you know, like uh, the whole, do, you know, do it yourself part. Like he put all of that out in the, into our general view of, you know, like as, as an option that, you know, you don't necessarily have to constantly be building new, right. new structures. And he did all that. I'm not saying that, you know, he's the one who's the builder. He's not the homes, you know, the con the Canadian contractor. But mm -hmm. he, he did, for us in the United States, I think, as an American, I think he did. As yeah, a Latino-American, he did a lot. I mean, I agree with all that. I think, to me, the question is whether he's number one or number two at this point because of his contribution. You know, I mean, we've talked about a couple of people that have some crime backgrounds yes. as well, <laughs> which I think, you know, if arrogancy is the worst that you can say about him, is like, okay, well, to a degree, it goes with the territory of having been one of the first people at this, you know? And a man. Yeah, and a man. And a man. <laughs> so, That's not sexist at all. Yeah. <laughs> so the question to me is one or two. Where, where do you guys feel? If, if I had to choose, I think I would put him in two. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. That sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. So... Just a couple of more names left here. Now, this is a longer show than, than normal um, already. But uh, let's go to, let's talk about three characters, for lack of a better word. And let's talk about them briefly. Um, and that's uh, three fictional characters. <clears throat> you've got Bob the Builder, you've got Handy Manny, and you've got Wild E. Coyote. Um, now, Bob the Builder, more of a, it's more obvious why he's on here yeah uh, the british character obviously um kids are very familiar with him uh briefly i guess you want to say something about him ray well yeah and and i think that bob the builder and handy manny are, are about the same thing it's uh, except that uh the only way that they're different is bob the builder is uh is caucasian 
and he does uh, buildings, you know, working on construction sites, and Handy Manny is more uh, of, uh, you know, clearly in the character, is Hispanic, and he does a lot of uh, uh, home, re- you know, re- home repair or, or uh, handyman type of uh, uh, projects. I mean, these are cartoons, and the reason we put them on the list is because of their influence on the next generation. Um, and, uh, you know, one of the other, that w- one of the other ones that we're going to cover was influential to us. Um, so I, I think we can't dismiss them, even though they're fictional, even though they're cartoons, but because they capture that young audience and puts this idea in their head that, uh, you know, making things is a perfectly normal uh, activity that anybody can do. And, uh, you know, it translates into the toys. Uh, both uh, Bob the Builder and Handy Manny have had a long line of toys that were associated with marketing the character that uh, exposed... Uh, children, uh, you know, young children. I say children. I would say, you know, eight years and younger. Um, I don't have kids of my own, but my my niece and nephew would often watch these, and uh, I think that it's probably you know one of those initial uh, steps, kind of like Bob Vila was for us when we were growing up, to um, <laughs> to um, uh, the next generation of, of children. And I mean, I agree. Um, I think they clearly hold. A place in this list. I guess the question is, where do we put cartoon? Wait, can we can we include Wiley Coyote? Just why is he there? <laughs> yeah, well, I was gonna I was gonna talk about Wiley Coyote next. I guess after these two, I think these two guys are clearly the same. Wiley Coyote oh. is not the same as this two. You know, Bob the Builder and Handy Manny. So I think we rank Bob okay, the Builder and Handy Manny real quick somewhere. Um, <laughs> again, it becomes hard to put him ahead of a real person. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think certainly they're. In my heart, they're right around where Tim the Toolman Taylor was, which is still ahead of Vanilla. <laughs> you know what? I agree with that. Yeah. I agree yes. with that ranking. I agree yeah. with that. I, too, I feel like we're really rubbishing Vanilla Ice here. <laughs> um, and um, then let's very quickly talk about, I guess, uh, Wiley Coyote, another char- cartoon character. Um, the nemesis of the Roadrunner. I don't know how many kids, I guess, are familiar with Wiley Coyote. Why don't you tell us a little bit of Wiley Coyote, though, Claudia? <laughs> no, I mean, we should be quick on yeah. not, you know, that, not to give him too much credit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but the only villain, the, I guess. The only villain on this list. Exactly. He is a it. villain. And he uses uh, contraptions and Acme products about, mm-hmm. you know, like, to to bring down his nemesis, which is um, Which he never quite brings down. Huh? No. He never really brings him down. He never brings him down, and actually, his contraptions always hurt him, mm-hmm. which is you know, like it, it. It teaches it teaches kids not only to be you know like inventive, in 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 in, in your shenanigans, mm-hmm. um, and also like to like order. I mean, he like you basically start you know to see Amazon yeah. <laughs> through this right because he would order from Acme products yeah. and they would just pop up right away, mm-hmm. and they would be right at his disposal, and then he would just plunge to his. Not not death, not yeah. death, which is great because he would show up again. So it, to- it tells you that you know you do technically get hurt, and then you pick up and then you try again. Right. So yeah, so I think that from that perspective, from the process <laughs> of making, he is one of to me like one of my favorite makers. Yeah, I think it's interesting uh, in the aspect of teaching uh, a valuable lesson, and that is that failure because he failed at everything. Everything was a failure. Failure is perfectly normal process uh, and part of the whole uh, making uh, uh, concept, but 
that you don't give up because he failed at every attempt and everything he tried, but never gave up. And I think that that combination, that lesson, failure is okay, uh, but but uh, and it's perfectly normal. But you cannot give up, and you got to keep trying. I think that for that reason, uh, it's a. And of course, we grew up watching the, that cartoon, you know. Right. Yeah, and without so, saying one word, right? That's the other yeah, exactly. beauty exactly. of this. Like you, you just—it's so visual. You don't yeah. have to like hear an explanation, a process, yeah. nothing. Although I think today's parents will uh, find it probably too violent. Um, in that the generation that we're from, it was considered perfectly okay. Well, you know, not a big deal. Yep. All right. All right. Cool. So the question is: To me, he's ahead of Tim the Tool Man Taylor for sure. And that's a little bit of nostalgia. I don't have nostalgia for a lot of things, but I do have it for this, <laughs> which would put him at mm, 10. At 10, yeah. 10? Um, mm. That puts him ahead of Bob the Builder. It does put him ahead of Bob the Builder. It's again nostalgia. Yep, I think and okay. I think Longevity, if you think about it, he's been around longer. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right, let's talk. We've got two left. So Colin first. Uh, I'm not familiar with Colin Firth at all, so Ray, why don't you tell us about Colin Firth? Okay, Colin Firth, uh, he is basically a YouTube sensation. Um, he has had, uh, I think he's got very close to 4 million subscribers, and um, uh, I think he's got uh, almost 400 million views on his videos. As uh, uh, a young guy, he's a, he was a plumber, and I think he might still be a plumber. Uh, but he has decided to create some of the craziest things in his little uh, workshop. And his workshop is about the size of a, of a one-car garage. Uh, but do not let the fact that it's a small space and is and, uh, you know, a, a plumber uh, fool you into thinking that he has no ability. He builds jet engines. Oh, it wow. is, yeah, he builds jet engines. Uh, uh, one of the most popular videos that he did was a, a hover bike. He, mm. he built oh, okay, it. I think I've seen that. Yeah, and that was actually, I think, sponsored by Ford, so they they uh, chipped in for the, the engines, which I'm sure were very, very expensive. Um, so he does a lot of innovative things uh, and builds them, and, and you can see his process. And in, and in some of the episodes, he actually goes through the mathematics and the, the thinking process, so it's education in that uh, manner. But the bottom line is he is so energetic and... His, uh, his editing and the videos continue that energy that it's extremely entertaining. So it's one of those things that we didn't have when, when we were growing up because he's a very, very young uh, uh, gentleman that I think that a lot of the uh, younger generation that are very in tune with YouTube and all that are very familiar with him. And I know some of the other makers that I'm familiar with are very familiar with Colin Furs. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to find any one of them that are not familiar with him. But he is uh, sensational, really. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, right, well, if cool. you haven't checked them out yet, uh, I, I'm pretty sure most of our listeners have. Uh, definitely worth watching, even if it's just for entertainment purposes. All right. Cool. Um, well, I mean, I'll trust. Where, where do you think he fits in, then? Because like, I'm not familiar with him. Um, if I look at the list here, uh, he would... I think he would be ahead... Uh, well, ahead of Vanilla Ice is very clearly <laughs> that's <laughs> very that's clear. a low bar. Yeah. yeah, that's a very low bar. To hit. Um, I would probably put him because of his his uh, online fame. I mean, he is very famous. He's got a one of the top YouTube channels, um, and the level of of build that he does. Because I'm not going to attempt a jet engine in my shop. 
you know, think of it like that. Uh, and the, the sheer craziness, because clearly he is not interested in his own safety. Um, I'm going to have to put him near the top as, as far as maybe, you know, Nick Offerman, uh, Mike Holmes in that neighborhood. You know, somewhere in there. So I, personally, where I would put him, I'm not sure. Uh, I guess you guys aren't that familiar with him. No, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with him. So. so in that case, I would put him right after either one of them. Yeah, I would put him probably maybe in the third slot, only because of the, the sheer amount of work that he produces. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm okay with that. So you're saying fourth or third? Um, I would say fourth. Fourth? Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Cool. And then the last ones are a team again. And they're Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman, who I think most people know as the Mythbusters. Yeah. Um, again, a very popular show. Um, Adam Savage himself has become a very big person in the make, especially Maker Fair community. Um, yeah. He's at all the major ones. And uh, he even has a, a website now called Tested. So, I mean, I think... And they have yeah, a YouTube channel of the same they have, name. They have a YouTube channel, yep. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, it's, I don't think there's much needs to be said about them, much like Bob Bill. The question is, where do they fit in? Because they get a broad range of expertise here. Yeah. And their scientific method as well. Right. It's volumes. Exactly. So. Um, yeah, level of technology that they use to. Right, right, right. Yeah. And their methodology. I think, I think they are near, personally near the top. Yeah. Um, and we're not really covering them uh, that that uh, um, clearly because we are assuming that they're very well known at this point. Well, I mean, I think anybody listening to us here yeah. probably knows who they are. Yeah. I couldn't imagine. I mean, if we were in a in a different type of show, I think it maybe you yeah. would need to get a little into who they are. But I mean, I think everybody is very familiar. They ran for like ten seasons, if not yeah, more. Yeah, I think it was twelve. Well. Yeah. And all three of us know them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think they're clearly very well known. I mean, I, I think they're towards the top, definitely. Um, I think number f- either, let me see what's number four, is Colin Furs. I mean, I guess that would be the bump. question, is he Colin Furs or Adam Favage? I think that uh, they would bump Colin Furs down a notch. Yeah, so that yeah. puts him at four? Yeah. Okay. All right, well, that's good, so... I mean, that's everybody we had on our list to discuss. Um, Not so. all inclusive, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's not all inclusive. It's not everybody that everybody might know. So if you if we miss somebody, please tell us. You know, send us a yeah. list of it. Um, I guess we should read it out real quick here for everybody. So number one is Roy Underhill. Number two is Bob Vila. Number three ends up being Nick Offerman. Number four, as we just mentioned, is Adam Savage and Jamie Heineman, the Mythbusters. Fifth is Colin Firth. First? Firth? Furs, yeah. Furs. Sixth is Scott Phillips from American Woodshop. Seven is Mike Holmes from Holmes and Holmes. Eighth is Norm, Norm Abraham from the New Yankee Workshop. Ninth ends up being the Orange County crew. 
10th is The Property Brothers. 11th is Lara Spencer from Flea Market Flip. 12th, we have Wild E. Coyote. <laughs> with 13 being uh, both Bob the Builder and Handy Manny. Uh, 14th is Steam the Tool Man Taylor from Home Improvement. And 15th, which is a very good location, I think, is Vanilla Ice from the Vanilla Ice Project. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's our list. It'll be in the description. Um, any quick closings before we move on to our next segment? Uh, no, I mean, I think this was an interesting topic yeah. of conversation. Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, like we said, please send us your own lists. But, uh, yeah, it's, cool. that's our list. So, um, because of how long we've been recording, we're already well over an hour. We're going to skip the product of the week and go straight into what are we working on. So, let's do that right now. Alright guys, so very quickly, what has everybody been working on? Um, well, um, uh, I'm sure you guys saw it. I, I did post that video of the yeah. uh, of the tool that I was giving away for my 3,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel. I actually didn't see it yet. You didn't what, see what it? What was the tool? I did. It was cool. You did see it? Yeah. Yeah, it's a vintage sander. Oh, So very cool. it's a sander from, I don't, can't date it exactly, but I think it's from mm. the 40s or 50s. It's all metal. The whole thing is metal. And uh, I ended up having, I bought it at a yard sale and I ended up having to get it running again. And I've been using it oof, for about 20 years. I've had it for 20 years. Well, very cool. So it's a testament to the longevity. And I'm actually giving it away uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, mm -hmm. So somebody. people need to go and, and comment on that particular uh, video, right? Yes. It was so difficult to figure out how to give it away. So what I'm going to do is if you make a comment on that video, I will take your name, mm -hmm. put it on a strip of paper, and uh, put it in a on a hat and mix it up and pick one at random. Very cool. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. What about you, Claudia? Um, I haven't really been making uh, anything with my hands. I've been making strides for democracy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was <laughs> at, pretty I big. Was at that <laughs> so um, I went and gave testimony for um, statehood for the for the district for Washington mm -hmm. D.C. So we could become the fifty first state, and uh, just we were. Um, yeah, we've been going through that process here in Washington, D.C., because we are going to have a referendum, which I completely believe and wholeheartedly support referendums. I think we need to have those more often. Um, but we're going to have a referendum on whether um, we all here in D.C. want statehood and then what our constitution would be like so that we can have a more representative constitution uh, mm -hmm. that is not just, you know, like, you know, merely like 13 or 20 representatives, but actually representation, you know, representation of the entire diversity of the district so you know we're all over like 670 um k in population right now so it's pretty big cool so yeah yeah and i, I posted right. some images on facebook when you were there so i'll i'll share them on the facebook group for me so people can so people can see them yeah so if uh you want to find me anywhere on this is hashtag dc statehood yeah <laughs> now yeah. this is something that's been going on for a while isn't it yeah Yes, it is, and it's it's been going. Uh, Puerto Rico is also looking for statehood as well, um, which is definitely also something that they need to eventually do. They had a referendum, so this is why we're having a referendum now as well, so that we have the full-on buy-in to say, yeah, the entire DC population is supportive of this. So potentially fifty-two states. Uh, yes, if Puerto Rico gets in, but Puerto oh. Rico is is far is a little bit farther, um, yeah. farther behind on 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 this ask because of their 
economic issues and they already had referendums and it yeah, can go on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping we'll be the 51st. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for myself, I've uh, actually been, I put together a video of all the images and some video I shot at World Maker Fair and that should be up probably Monday or Tuesday. Uh, I'm going to put that up. And, uh, and one of the things I was doing that I wanted to let people know about is um, I printed out these little posters and here I brought them so you could look at it right and if you can see that. Uh, yeah, I see that. Yeah, so NASA, NASA's um, design studio at NASA's Jet Propulsion Labs actually put out this sort of very uh, retro style space travel posters. So you have the different planets. This one's Titan, you have Jupiter. Like the Jupiter one is actually really cool. And, and These are wild. artist renderings? Yeah, so they're yeah they're posters that they made. You know, you remember those old vintage posters that people used to make for like New York City, and they had like very blocky looking city. Yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is the same idea, but for different planets, as if you were traveling to those planets. So you have Jupiter, you have one of Jupiter's moons, Titan, and every poster is different for each one. So so I've been printing myself some of these posters. I'm gonna put them up somewhere here in the house, probably in, in my shop in what Claudia calls my room. So, your room yeah so yeah I just wanted to let people know that they're free over in uh, NASA's uh, website oh good so check it out and uh, yeah so that's what we're working on uh, very quickly let's tell people where they can find more about us uh, so for me uh, at thecityecologist.com um, twitter cityecologist and like I said anything to do with DC statehood right you know the next from now until election day Hashtag DC Statehood. Yeah, it's going to take up a lot of your time this, this next few months here. Yeah, just uh, yeah. yeah. Ray, um, we'll have a link obviously to your YouTube channel. And Have yeah. you come up with a name yet? No, no, I've still been thinking about it. And it's getting to the point where it might be too late. Because people may not <laughs> recognize if I, if I change the name. Oh, maybe, but uh, yeah. I haven't gotten a chance to check the email this week. So I don't know if anybody wrote in anything. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check in and then I'll forward anything to you if they did. Okay. Um, and, of course, you have the Facebook group. Yeah, the Facebook homemade lathe group. Uh, anybody that might be interested in building a lathe for themselves, I have a little bit of experience with that, and other members have as well, and they're putting up projects. And that reminds me, I just put up some pictures of the uh, on that group of the vertical lathe that I've been building. So it'd be an interesting, it's a complete departure from any uh, lathe that's made for, wood, for woodworking. Very cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. Nice, yeah. And uh, you guys can find me at uh, my photography website, which is City Aperture, and and I'm also at City Aperture on Twitter. And, and my website is shifting a little bit towards design and architecture as well. So, yeah, that's that's it for the show, guys. I think it's been, it was, I had fun doing it, ranking yep. this list. Hopefully everybody had fun listening. Mm-hmm. And uh, people can email us at, it's info at madepodcast.com. Yes. That's a new website. Yeah, That's a new, the new email address. Yes, right? and our website, madepodcast.com, where you'll find all of our information there. Yep. Very cool. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening and emailing your own list. See you next time. Bye-bye.